Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 462 of the Juice Box Podcast. I'm going to start this episode a little differently than I do normally. First of all, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan. But more importantly, if you feel like you can be adversely triggered by conversations about sexual assault or you're under 18, you should probably just stop this episode right now. This episode is part of our After Dark series. After Dark began back in 2019 with episode 274 about drinking. We then went to weed smoking, trauma and addiction, sex from different perspectives, depression and self-harm, divorce, bipolar disorder, bulimia, heroin addiction, and we even talked to somebody about how to use psychedelic drugs when you have type 1. So these episodes are specifically about the stuff that no one talks about from the perspective of a person living with type 1 diabetes. Today's episode is about sexual assault and PTSD. We're going to, I want to figure out how to say this to you. Okay, so the person you're going to hear on the episode today is anonymous. About a month or so ago, I recorded an episode with them that had nothing to do with any of this. And a few weeks later, I received a note that said, I know I just recorded with you, but I'd like to do an After Dark episode about PTSD and sexual assault. She said the entire experience related to her diabetes quite a bit, and she wanted to share it with all of you. So because we'd already done an episode together where she was clear about who she was and her name, but that episode had not come out, I just destroyed that episode. So you'll have no way of knowing who this person is. And we sat and recorded this. I do not believe that the recording of this episode was easy for the person you're about to hear, and it was not easy for me. It is, however, eye-opening and enlightening and useful, very useful information for people to have. Now, this is not a graphic retelling of what happened, but it is a step-by-step conversation. Uh, so it can be very stressful at times. Uh, we're very careful to not use too many words that you might find distressing, but it is what it is, and there's no getting around that. Now, I don't normally do this, but this is an email that I received from the person you're about to hear. This email came after we recorded this show. She said, I just want to thank you again for recording with me. I took some time to think about it, and I think our conversation went incredibly well. I was hoping that you could add some links to resources, which I, I was definitely going to do already. Um, she says she's never used them herself, but there's rain. And in just a moment, I'll give you links to that. She asked me to be sure to put a warning at the beginning, which again, we were going to do. And then she said, I really appreciate you recording this with me. I know it was tough. I really appreciate your willingness to have the conversation. I know that it was a lot. Again, I think the conversation went great. I hope you know how powerful the podcast is on so many levels. And thank you for working hard for people with type 1 diabetes. It really means a lot. Just want you to know as you're listening, that the person who had this conversation is incredibly comfortable with what they said. 
and what you're about to hear. If you need support, you can try RAIN.org, R-A-I-N-N.org, is the National Sexual Assault Hotline. It's confidential and has 24-7 support. They offer online chatting, or you can call them at 1-800-656-4673. This is a crisis support service for sexual assault and harassment. There are not going to be any ads in this episode because, honestly, it just feels weird to me. I do want to thank Omnipod, Dexcom, the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter, Touched by Type 1, and Givo Glucagon for their continued support, which makes content like this and the rest of the show possible. Okay, here we go. There's a person with me here whose name we're not going to use. And usually somebody, this is the point where you hear like, hi, my name is, but we're not going to do that. And you're going to see why in a moment. Um, But I guess we should start with just some general stuff. So you have type 1 diabetes, right? Yes, I was diagnosed at seven uh, in 2001. Okay, so long time ago, like 20 years ago. Yeah. Puts you in your late 20s now? The word late is. You didn't a enjoy painful. that. I'm sorry. A little painful, not going to lie. But yes, my late, tw- I'm 27. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we call it your mid 20s and just. Thank you so much. I'll lie to you. That. That, that seems like the way to go. Yeah, lie to me. Yeah. yeah good. So you're in your mid 20s now. Um, and. Let's. I guess let's just get a little bit out of the way about your your management and stuff like that. So you using a pump or MDI or how do you do things? So I use an Omnipod, and I am a recent user of the Dexcom. I just started it in October. Okay. Yeah. Prior to that, what were you doing? Just uh, regular checking, uh, blood sugar checking, and Omnipod. I started an Omnipod about seven years ago. So I've been on, on an Omnipod for seven years. It's been fantastic. Um, the, that dropped my A1C quite a bit. And then with the start of the Dexcom, my most recent A1C, I can't even believe it, was 5.6. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, That's thank you. Cool. With the, and with the help of the podcast, of course. Well, yes, obviously. No. Yeah, so, we'll give you credit. <laughs> you know, it's weird. I'm, I always tell people about the, you know, they always want to like, people are like, what do you want to talk about? I'm like, oh, you know, it's okay. Just come on and we'll start talking. And it always works mm-hmm. really well. And now I know what you and I are going to talk about. And I feel like I'm not good at this. Oh, it's fine. No, no. I feel like I'm, I, I'm tripping weird. over my thoughts and yeah. everything. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. just go for it. Go for just, it. Just do it. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so you started when you were seven. You're pretty much managing on your own or, were, I mean, how involved were your family? How did that all work? Yeah. So they were involved. Now this was back in the day when you were, it was 45 carbs a meal, 15 carbs snacks. You had to eat at very specific times during the day. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, drop everything and eat at noon at six o'clock, whatever it was. I don't remember. Um, so in the beginning, my parents helped quite a bit. Uh, when I hit, I would say around 13, I was doing it primarily on my own. Um, and at that point I had switched over to Lantis, which was a big deal. That was a big deal to switch from, I don't even remember. I think it was Humulin and Humulag rings a bell and you had to mix them in the syringe, um, prior to that. But then Lantis was a big deal because you could eat whenever you wanted. Um, and then I was very hesitant to getting a pump for various reasons. Um, but I didn't get one until college, but yeah, for the, to answer your question. Yeah, I was pretty, pretty on my own for most of it. Where was your outcomes 
during those like teen years and, and into college? So kind of rough. Um, I was, I floated around the eights and nines, uh, you know, and it was, and my parents, the other thought, my other thought is my parents also really wanted it to be that way, wanted me to be independent so I could do whatever it was I wanted. So that was their thought process. Um, but then, you know, oh, the then the other thing, the other curveball that got thrown at me was at around 15, I got diagnosed with Graves' disease, which caused crazy, crazy insulin resistance. Uh, that took quite a few years to get regulated. Once, But once that got regulated, it really sorted out quite a bit. And then after that, I started the Omnipod. So I, so I had like a, I'm thinking in terms of a graph, <laughs> but I had like a, I had like a, a nice slope down to where I am now, uh, from the time I was around like 20, I when, would say. When you said it took years to get regulated, you mean the Graves disease? Uh, yes. Okay. And what did that consist of? So they started with, I can't even remember the name of it, but they started with the general medication. Why does beta, beta blocker rings a bell? But don't quote me on that. Um, they started with that. It was taking a really long time, though, uh, to get my thyroid regulated. And so they ended up doing um, what's called radioactive thyroid ablation. Mm-hmm. So you go in, you take this big horse pill, um, and it basically like kills your thyroid completely. Um, so now I take, since then that's helped tremendously, but then I, they had to regulate it with Synthroid, um, which has been stable. Um, but in the first couple of years after taking it, it, it kind of would like blip and like, you know, I, I, it would need a lot of adjustments. So once it got stable, that really helped quite a bit. It took years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, um it seems from my Googling that beta blockers are used in conjunction with Graves disease to help with heart palpitations and muscle tremors that come with Graves. Oh, just kidding. All right, that was a different thing. Oh, yeah. That's... Then what was the name of the I don't know, whatever. It's like the opposite of synthroid. The opposite of synthroid. I should Google yeah. that and see what happens if I think. <laughs> see what happens. I, it might come up. But yes, I was on the beta blocker because my heart rate was like through the roof at that time. Okay. Uh, due to the thyroid, hyperthyroid. Levox? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not but, certain. But yeah, I, I'd have to figure But I do know, like, if so you would, so with Graves, you'd swing hyper and then hypo? Like, you'd bounce back and forth or no? So it swung hyper, um, and then the point was to get it down. Uh, but then once they did the radioactive iodine, it exactly, it would go down to hypo. And with hypo, and now you yeah. just probably manage with like synthroid or something like that. Yeah, I'm gonna be on synthroid forever. Yeah, um, because of the ablation that right. they did, and that just not. So they didn't remove your thyroid; they just kind of kicked it really hard. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it was fun. <laughs> it, the removal process is it looks daunting um, with that yeah. incision and and everything else. So I don't know. Like, would you go back and do it again, or do you, do you think you had no other choice? Hmm. Um, yeah, I think I would do it again, honestly, because I, the symptoms of Graves disease were really awful. That was not fun. You know, I was, um, my heart rate, I'd be sitting in class. I was in high school at the time. My heart rate would be like 125, just sitting down. Um, and I was an athlete, so that was quite a big problem. Um, you know, and, and you're, you're hot. I would like not go out. I would go outside without a jacket in January. Right. 
<laughs> you know, like it was, yeah, it was really not fun. So I think just getting rid of it faster, which maybe I'm just impatient, but getting rid of it faster was, I think the right call. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. All right. Um, well, I, I don't know how to bury the lead anymore because I'm, yeah. I literally feel like I'm keeping a secret. It's making me upset, um, and, okay. which is ridiculous because, you know, when people listen to a podcast, the title will indicate to them what this is about. So everyone, everyone's just like, oh, my God, just get to it. And um, <laughs> but you sent me a note and yeah. and you said you wanted to talk about some pretty specific stuff. So um, why don't you just tell me your story and we'll pick through it? Sure. I don't. Yeah. Okay. All right. Ooh, okay. So, um, yeah. So I sent you a note. Um, I wanted, I don't know. Do I like say the topic first? I'll go, I guess the topic's the name of the episode. Uh, yeah, People who are listening are going to be dying yeah, right now. Yeah, wow. Okay. We'll, we'll do it. Okay. So yeah. So I sent you an email regarding, um, how sexual assaults and I ended up with PTSD from that. Um, and really just how that pertains to diabetes because it affected it quite a bit. Um, so I just, I guess I just go through the story, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, I am interested. I am definitely interested in how it impacted like type one, because you, you yeah. were very specific. Like this has an impact on my blood, on, on my diabetes. And I was like, Oh, okay. Um, well, listen, you don't tell me any more than you're comfortable with, but oh, I sure. guess right around like what you can kind of tell me what age it was and yeah, yeah that kind of stuff. Okay. Sure. So I, yeah, I'll go into what we think makes sense, but, um, yeah, so I was a really classic, um, unfortunately, uh, case. So I was a junior in college. Um, I remember it was a Sunday night, um, of Labor Day weekend and my friends wanted to go out and we went to this 21 and under club. We were not 21 yet. Um, and essentially what happened was, you know, we're dancing on the, on the dance floor and whatever, uh, someone came up to me. It was someone I knew, um, friend of a friend, not someone that I knew very personally. Um, but I knew of him, so it wasn't like a complete stranger. Right. And, you know, so I could tell you the red flags that came up now, um, not realizing them at the time. And that's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to come on and talk about it, because I think it's something that's not spoken about. And I think there's a ton of misconceptions. Um, so with that being said, the first red flag that I noticed there was he somehow like got me away from my friends, um, you know, the group of people that I was with. And you know, what's funny. Um, it's so interesting. I actually feel like, as I'm talking about this, I feel the need to justify that. Like, this is not, how do I explain this? It's like, I, it's like, I, I feel the need to justify the fact that I'm not a person who does impulsive things, right? Like I'm a very like, cautious kind of person, pretty thoughtful. Like I, you know, I don't do things very impulsively. And yet I ended up kissing this guy on the dance floor. Um, and what had happened was he kept asking me to go home with him. Um, I said, no, I would say God like four or five times. Um, 
And that was the second red flag for me. Um, I learned later on, if you're saying no to somebody and they're not listening to you over and over again, that's, you know, that's an indicator, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, to speed up the process here, I ended up going home with this person and I'm not going to go into crazy detail by any means, but the second I got there, I knew I was not in control of the situation whatsoever. Um, It was very different than anything I'd ever experienced. And it was, you know, uh, not great. So, well, let me ask you a couple of questions. Yeah. Was he, was he older than you? I think the same, about the same age. About the same age. Yeah. And and when you said that you, you said no over and over again, what, 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 I mean, he didn't drag you out. So what happened that you did it? Was it, did you start to feel badly or did you feel pressured or what's that? I think it was a combination of those two things. Um, It's the strangest sensation. I almost felt like I had to say yes after I said no so many times. It was, and that's the thing with this is that it's very subtle and it's very like hard to describe that I've learned over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I would say. And I, I actually, and you know, moving forward from that, like I, like I held a ton of guilt from that, from that, because it was that moment that I agreed, right? Like to, to go with him. Um, but I had to really separate over, and I've done this over years. Um, just because I agreed to walk out the door with you doesn't mean that that's what I was asking for. Right. Like right. two separate things. Does your, does your anxiety from that come from the knowledge that you knew he wanted you to go like have sex? Like it was clear. That's what he yeah. was trying to get you to do. I guess. Or no, or was it not? Huh? I don't really know. It was, It was like this guilt that I put on myself that I felt like I felt like I could have prevented it had had that. And sure, maybe I could have. But just because I think what I had to separate in my head was just because I left a building with you doesn't mean that that's what I was. Yeah, no, obviously. I mean, that's obvious. That's obvious to you and I. And I'm assuming everyone listening. What I'm what I'm wondering is, is did this I mean, obviously, there's a. I, I don't understand the the depth of the illness that goes oh, with, sure. with doing this to somebody, obviously. But this person's intent, you know, intent on this, yeah. you would you would think from from the onset, like you said, pulled pulled you away from people where he could pressure mm-hmm. you privately. Were, mm-hmm. were, were you? Um, you said that you were not a person who like did things impulsively. Do you think you no. looked like a target to him? Yes, one hundred percent, definitely. So you you and not that you. I want to make sure I say this right. Like no, I, fine, I, yeah. I don't, I don't mean that you are somehow at fault for being a target in his eyes. I'm just right. saying that he looked at a group of people and thought this looks like a girl I can pressure. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which I struggled with for a long time too. Right. Like I mm-hmm. kind of was like, what on earth was it about me that was targeted? Cause it was very targeted. Right. Like, yeah. you know, that whole thing. Um, yeah, that's, that's something I had to really delve into too. Well, I mean, it should be said that you're a junior in college. You should be able to be a, the type of person who seems sweet and nice. And you know what I mean? Like you shouldn't have to walk out into the world looking like you're going to slap anybody who looks at you, uh, you know, and, and, and so, but he just, so that's got nothing to do. 
it's hard to put into words to somebody, but that has nothing to do with you. Like if I was consoling right. you as a friend, I'd say you didn't do anything wrong. You're just a kind, nice person. And and the bad thing that this person decided to do was probably in his mind easier to do to you than to somebody else. So why take the hard path to this if this is what he was going to try? Sure. You know, yeah. that sucks. That's yeah. hard. I really feel badly like listening to it. It's um it feels like I want to tell you I'm sorry every five seconds, but I'm going to stop myself from doing that. <laughs> no, you're fine. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're fine. <laughs> um, and I also, you know, my son's about that age, yeah. of, you know, and and do you, you think about somebody taking advantage of him and or, or yeah. um, thinking of Arden getting older? It's really frightening. So, mm-hmm. um, so once you, so you go along willingly mm-hmm. and then at some point he pushes to a line you're not okay with, I'm assuming you say no again. Oh yeah. Yeah. Quite a bit. Like, yeah. Yeah. So are you restrained at that point? I couldn't tell. I don't remember to be honest with you that I don't, I would say more or less. Yes. Like, you know, this large man's on top of me. So I would say, I would say yes. Yeah. Were you impaired at all? Like, Oh um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So maybe you would have had trouble defending yourself. Oh, for sure. There was no, there was nothing, you know, I tried like hell to get away. Um, there was no way I was going to like, that was not happening. You weren't going to break, you know, I'm not a very big person either. Like, so there was no, yeah. So then what happens? I mean, as I'm thinking about it, like I, I I can't fathom any of this. So like when, when the act is over, Mm -hmm. does he just let you leave? Yeah. Isn't that strange? I thought the same that that's something that really runs through my head too. I remember. So to, to give context though, I actually completely blacked out during it. Um, I remembered the beginning of it. I remember totally blacked out during the middle. Um, it took years to actually remember like what actually had happened. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember distinctly saying, getting up and saying, um, this is a terrible idea. That's what I said. And I left and um, I actually didn't remember what had already happened. It was like, it was like someone paused my brain and then turned it back on like 20 minutes later or however long it was. I couldn't tell you. Um, Yeah. So that was definitely that, that was weird. Can I, can I ask you with years to obviously think about this and probably I'm imagining look into it from a lot of different angles. Is that common? Oh yeah, Yeah. definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, I can't think of the word. It is like repressing it, right? Like it's, yeah, yeah, you just like, and it wasn't, yeah. Cause I went through like, those are two different things like between repressing and denying. Mm -hmm. I just straight up had no idea it had happened um for a while for for a long time so you did you leave there did you physically know that you had that there was intercourse like do you know what i mean no no i had no idea okay i had no idea i was really i was in a lot of pain afterwards and i was like that's weird like that was my thought like i was like huh that's strange your brain's just um not to think about it probably yep right yep I just like, because I mean, the reason I asked is I'm trying to put myself in your position as best I can to try to work my way through the questions. And I would imagine that if that was happening to me, I'd think, well, when this is over, someone's going to kill me because you wouldn't do this to me and then let me go tell somebody about it. 
You know, you know what I mean? But funny. I guess that's not the I common totally, way. I totally know what you mean. Yeah. And I was so like, it was like an out of body experience. Mm-hmm. Like I was so like blacked out is the best word that I have that like, I wouldn't have thought that lot, like nothing, there was no logic going on right. in that moment. Cause I was just so just like, you know, so traumatized that, yeah, like you couldn't think that, I couldn't think that clearly. Not that you, know you would I mean? even think it, but like I'm putting myself yeah. in, in the attackers, like, eyes I mean, oh, the atta- it would, oh, it gotcha, would be gotcha. it would be like robbing a bank without a mask on and someone seeing yeah. you and you'd be like well i have to kill you now because you've seen me do this like like it would just like i if someone was robbing a bank and i was looking in the face and they were holding a gun i'd think this guy's gonna shoot me like like, like it, yeah. you know what i mean it's just it's like it's kind of fascinating in, it in, is you know? yeah and it's horrifying because like that's the thing uh <laughs> it's his word against mine. Right. Like yeah. that's, they're the only two people there. I do think actually when I walked out, I'm pretty sure his roommates heard the whole thing because they looked at me very horrified um, as I walked out. So I think they probably heard, but I, you know, that's, that's the scary thing about this. And that's what's so, you know, what makes it so hard to talk about is that like, it's, it's literally two people that are there. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's yeah. What, what, what happens in the, in the days afterwards when you see the roommates or do you see any of those people? So like the people involved. Well, in I mean, it? yeah, I mean, they, or like do, my do, own roommate. Do, do you see the attacker again? Oh my God. Yeah. He lived in the same building as me. So that was, I, I gotta say, I think that was the worst part of all of this was that like, I, Oh my God, it was horrible. Like I, uh, I was afraid to go. I, they had like laundry in the basement. I was terrified to go do my laundry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was horrible. Terrified. Like, but are you still repressing it? Like how long until you realize you were raped? Oh, um, so, all right. Good question. So it was, I would say a solid six months or so before I realized that I was just uh, that was bad right like right. that i was like okay something had happened there it was then i think i think see i wrote it all down but now i don't know what i said but um i think it was like three four years later before i realized the whole full extent of the, okay, of right. it yeah so you just have this overwhelming feeling of dread being around him or yep. the building or those sorts of things yep i had like i had really strange dreams where like about it and I was like that's weird I don't think that happened um and then started remembering it more and more like as time went on oh that's somehow that makes it more horrible and yeah right yeah you you don't hear (laughs) you don't hear a story like that and then think oh you know it'll probably get worse in a second but then there there it was it got worse very quickly um exactly Wow. Oh, I am at the part again where I feel like I should say, I'm so sorry to hear this. Oh, um, it's, it's yeah. okay. Thank um, you. <laughs> really? It's, uh, I've got the weirdest job is what I'm thinking at the moment. So, um, okay. So all this happens, you yeah. have this frame of time afterwards where you just, it, everything in the world feels scary and wrong for no reason. It oh, takes yeah. you, it takes you till you're out of college to figure out once you figure it out, do you do anything? Like, is there something to do? So, yeah, so I realized, so, so in this time, so that was in like, it was in September, Mm -hmm. um, that same year about, uh, I don't know, that spring, 
I started dating somebody and I started as we were like, uh, I, I don't know, what is a good word for that? Oh, this is after dark. I could just say, right. I could just say whatever say as we're hooking up. Right? right. I start like having these weird reactions, like really strange. Like I was like in tears afterwards and I'm like, what on earth is this? And so that's when I actually started remembering part of it. Um, so what I did to answer your question, um, so that was awful. It, months later, I was like, all right, I guess I got to go to therapy because I was like, I don't know what on earth is going on here. Um, and so that was incredibly helpful and mm. did that over a number of years. So you so you took care of yourself. You went to, for yeah. therapy and 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 so you think that having a real boyfriend and be getting into intimate situations is what drew out your memories of it. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, geez. So you go to therapy. That makes sense. Do you do anything like about the attacker? Like what is like, what's the feeling there? Like you must have like a, a question in your head. Like, do I call off the cops? Sure. Has it been too long? What do I, or do I, am I interested in that fight? Like, yeah. What's that um, like? It didn't even really occur to me until like months and months later and nothing, I, I didn't have any, I had nothing to go off of. Like, what do you, what do you say to the cops? Like, oh, hey, this happened six months ago. Like, right. he's going to tell you no, I'm going to tell you yes. And so I didn't, I never pursued anything with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I didn't even remember the whole full extent of it until, like I said, years later. So like at that point, what do you even do? Um, I did the one, it did cross my mind. Um, my fear is that he's out. This person is out doing this to other people. Right. Like I, that really got me that I stuck with me for a really long time. Um, but I really thought about it and I was like, but even if I were to pursue anything, like nothing is going to come of it whatsoever. Um, it's years later. Uh, and so, yeah, no, I never actually pursued anything with that. Hmm. I don't yeah. know that I could, I, I can't, I can't like find fault with any of those thoughts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I, I'm taking your point like, Hey, you did this all this time ago. No, I didn't. Okay. Okay. Yeah, That's yeah, it. Yeah. Right. Like there's nothing. Meanwhile. And, and you know, meanwhile, it's, it's killing me. Right. Like it, it's awful. Yeah. Um, but so like, did I really need to like recount it? to this person and then have them deny it like no so and that, so and that you still know, that's why i decided protect, that that still isn't going to protect anybody or right yeah what about the roommates did you yeah that's i mean i don't even know like it, it's just so it's so disheartening that you could find one person willing to do this and then when you realize there are more that are willing to stand by like and not even just check on you as you're going out the door yeah. you know what i mean like is fascinatingly frightening yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't really remember who they were. Um, but I remember like walking out and being like, why do they look so freaked out? And then I walked out the door and, um, yeah, no, nothing, nothing came of that. Um, my own roommate, I actually didn't mention my, my one roommate who I've been friends with for a very long time, um, tried to stop the whole thing from happening in the beginning. Um, ironically and that was the other I actually forgot this um that was the other like real source of guilt that I had that 
she tried, like, she really tried. Like she was talking to me and she was like, what are you doing? Like, no, let's not do that. Um, and I don't know, I need to talk to her. I should have talked to her about it before I came on here. I don't know why. I don't know what set her off that she thought like what made her do that. Yeah. Um, but she saw something was wrong. She saw, yeah, she knew something was wrong. And then you, and, um, you persisted. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get, I'm, I'm a stubborn human being. And especially if I've had a drink, like I'm very stubborn. I know this about myself. And I was like, no, 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 don't tell me what to do. Like, <laughs> you know, and I'm very nice. Like, don't get me wrong, but, <laughs> yeah. but I can get like that. Um, but yeah, so that was my reaction to it. Um, but they, uh, when I got back to my own apartment, um, they, I, I told them about a little bit. I was like, yeah, I'm like, that really hurt. And they were like, what? Uh, and, uh, I was like, no, it's fine. And you know, they kind of dropped it. Wait, and, what, uh, what really hurt? I'm sorry. I lost you. There. Like I was just so like from the whole incident was oh. very, yeah. So I, I was very sore. Um, and they were like, yeah. And they were, they, they knew something had, had happened. Right. Um, but it never really yeah. got spoken about. No, I did speak to them about it much later. Yeah. But in that moment, I guess you're really just like a bunch of 20 year olds, right? Like, isn't that, yeah. You, you know, just a bunch of kids that are like, we're going to go dancing and drink a little bit. And then a real life situation pops up and who knows how to handle any of that, you know? You know, it's so true. That is so incredibly true. I, I think, you know, they try and, and I have like really like to this day, like they're, they're great friends of mine. Mm-hmm. And, um, they are, I, we actually talked about it later on. Um, and they're like, uh, one of them was like, I'm so sorry. Like we didn't do enough. And I'm like, you're 20 years old. Like, what are you going to do? Right. Like it's, you know, it's, it, it's so shocking for, like even right, we're talking about it and it's, and it's like sh- a shocking thing to talk about and hard to talk about. And when you're 20, like, Oh my, forget it. You don't know what you're doing. I'm thrown, right? like, yeah, no, <laughs> you know? I'm thrown by the idea that in, in this story, there are so many people, even down to you and I talking about it now who all mm-hmm. would have done the right thing in a scenario like that. And one person with bad intentions and that's what wins the day. Like he, I know. he gets his way. Um, for having those bad intentions around, you know, like that. It's just, it's, it's, um, I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. Like I, I've tried while you're talking to just put myself in his shoes for a second and be like, why would you do this? Like, because like my, cause I come up with all these weird things. Like you did talk to him like, Mm -hmm. right. And so you must've had some thought that oh this is a reasonably attractive person i'll speak to him for a minute and find out what's going on here like he could have just put in real effort with you and created a relationship with you but but that's not his intention like it's so it it has nothing to do with any of that quite obviously i'm probably saying something that's completely obvious but he really is just intent on on the act of hurting you or somebody else and getting to it very quickly and being done with it Right. And that's, and it's not like, it's not sex. It's not a relationship. It's not any of those things. It's, it's, it's like violent, you know, like it's like two completely polarizing things. Um, But yeah, that's, yeah, Yeah. it's, I don't know. I don't know what would wrap your, like, you know, I'm not going to head around that. Yeah. I'm not going to find it. I just know that. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. There's more context. Like, you know, I've heard people my whole life say, you know, Mm -hmm. sexual assault's not about sex. 
And yeah. I understand academically exactly what they mean. Not, there's no confusion with me, but hearing your story makes it more real to me, that idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's just terrible. So, um, all right, well, let's get out of this part. And <laughs> seriously, before I have a stroke and, okay. uh, and, and, um, I'm like sitting here, like my, I don't look like this usually when I do the show, my hands are up, my shoulders are tight, like up against my yeah. neck. Um, I feel like I'm, you know, like I, I, I feel like I want to just say to you, Hey, this was a bad idea. We shouldn't talk about this. Like, stop. <laughs> no, no, we're good. We're yeah, good. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm good. No. No, you're doing better than I am is the point. <laughs> uh, you'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm going to need your number for your therapist by the time we're finished. Uh, yeah. Well, she's good. You can <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, so then after stuff like this happens, yeah. the PTSD around being around the building, but then about being around men, uh, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. What about oh, the, yeah. what about the, do you tell your parents? Okay, I'm going to use this spot here where the advertisements usually go just to give us all a break for a second, take a deep breath, and go over how you can get help again. It's rain.org, R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G. You can contact them right there on that website, even chat with somebody, or call 1-800-656-4673. They say that every 73 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted. On the site, you can find out warning signs for child sexual abuse, make a donation to them, and much more. RAIN stands for Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. It is the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. RAIN created and operates the National Sexual Assault Hotline in partnership with more than 1,000 local sexual assault service providers across the country and operates the DOD Safe Helpline for the Department of Defense. RAIN also carries out programs to prevent sexual violence, help survivors, and ensure that perpetrators are brought to justice. RAIN.org. R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G. Please, if you need them, reach out. Do you tell your parents? Oh, yeah, that's a whole other can of worms. But um, I did. My parents, uh, I don't think they had the capacity to do much about it. I, I think my parents are, how do I even explain, explain this? Um, you know, they, they're, that's not their thing. <laughs> like, can I put it that way? That's not their thing. Parenting's not, not their thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh... well, let me, let me say something. Cause I think you maybe want to say that you sure. can, you'll stop me if I'm wrong. I have to uh-huh. say this. I'm not your dad. And this yeah. is 20 years from now. And I'm struggling to say the right thing because there's at every step of the, you can see why people say the wrong things around this because at oh, every yeah. step of this, there's a part of your brain that wants to go. Why didn't you just push him and run away in the bar? Uh-huh. Right? Why uh-huh. didn't? And I'm imagining that 
in your parents' desperation for this not to be something that actually happened to you, they probably said every wrong thing along the way getting to it. You know, they weren't horrible. It was just the, uh, and I, I, yeah, it it was just, I think it was so much. It was so much. I think there's not much to, there's not much to do. Like it already happened. Yeah. Yeah. Your dad Um, didn't like, did your dad ask who the person was? I actually never, I only talked to my mom about it. I never talked to my dad about it. Um, She, no, I don't think she did. I think, I recall her asking if I told the police, Um, you know, she, you know, and she tried a couple times and, you know, then that was kind of it. But I think not on being able to wrap her head around that this was like a long term thing to get over. Um, I, I think is the like disconnect there. I, I honestly am a, a fairly reasonable person and mm-hmm. I'm trying to imagine if I could stop myself from finding that person and killing them. Oh yeah. Like I don't oh, yeah. know if I could yeah. stop myself or not. It's you know, not- it's funny. People say that a lot. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't even do anything. No, like, I know it would be the wrong thing to do. I'm not saying that yeah. I'm trying to decide. I don't even know if it wouldn't hurt you more. I'm just trying to say yeah. that I, I, I'm looking for the capacity inside of myself, not the snap. If you told me this. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I can't imagine. I can't imagine like my own, I mean, I don't have kids, but it, one day if I have kids, if my kid told me that, like, Oh my God. Like, yeah, no, I, I seriously. Yeah. When, yeah. when my son was eight, a little kid talked shit to him and I thought I was going to kill that kid. You're going to bop him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I, like, right? I gave him like a death stare and I was like, listen to me. And I just said something very quietly under my breath to him. I was like, you're going to stop that right now, my little friend. You know, like, right. Like I turned into a mafia Don like with like a little kid. Um, I'm assuming this would be worse. And oh, yeah. I at this okay. point now, I'm not lying to you. Now my left mm-hmm. arm is stiff and I'm have and I'm having shoulder pain. I think I'm having. Oh, Oh yeah, do you have some? Do you have some water? <laughs> I am you drinking some water. water. I am right, so water. upset about what happened to you that I'm like, I'm turning <laughs> myself into a knot. Like it's, I go through this every after dark episode ends with me walking out of this room, like go like fanning my face and like spritzing myself with water. I'm just, it's it, it's incredibly it's valuable to hear these stories, and yeah. it's hard to be the person that asks the questions about them because it's. I think if you just started talking. Yeah. And I was listening. I'd say, "Uh huh, uh huh." Oh, I'm sorry. That's horrible. Like I, it would go on like right. that forever, right? Um, right, right? But because I'm trying to listen along and ask you questions to understand mm-hmm. better, I just feel too involved in it all of a sudden. So, well, you're you're doing great. No, honestly. look at you. You're no, making me feel better no, in this scenario. Stop no, it. I do. No, like legitimately. No, and I really, you know, I appreciate it because yeah. I, I think it's like I keep saying, like it, it's something that's so unfortunately so common and yet it's so not spoken about whatsoever actually when when it happened i my go-to like coping mechanism is like researching things i like to know i'm like okay well what can i learn about this right Mm -hmm. there's nothing there is like borderline nothing out there i mean there's some stuff right but um you know that's one of the reasons why i really wanted to talk about it because there's not much out there so point being you're doing great well, thank you. I just so I just googled the words rate of sexual. When you get to that point, yeah, it comes up assault, assault on college campuses, assault in prison, something else. 
How common is sexual assault in college? A 2019 Associates of America University survey on sexual assault and misconduct polled over 150,000 students at 27 universities, and data revealed that there's a 13% non-consensual sexual conduct rate. And that's and that's probably not even collecting the whole thing. Like I never reported this to anybody. Right. Right. Like, and I think I would assume most people don't. Um, the vast majority. So, yeah, it's 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 really unfortunately common. Mm-hmm. It really is. And and you know the things that I think what makes it so hard to talk about is the things that you're met with are so horrible. Like the things that people say. Um, you know, I had, I even had, I didn't mention I, I, the first therapist I went to straight up told me granted before I tell you what she told me, I skimmed over a large portion of the story. Right. But I led with that. I had been assaulted and she said, yeah, I don't really think that that was that bad. I'm not even kidding. Right. And had a very, the, our conversation was very focused on, well, you were drinking, right? So you get met with these things and please don't take that as a, like, you know, a, a negative of therapy. Therapy has been fantastic. That mm-hmm. one person sucked. Um, right. But since then it's been fantastic, but you know, so you're met with these, that's what you're met with a lot of the time when you do try to talk about it or try to like find things about it. Um it, you know, it's it's people yeah. looking for ways to stop it from happening yes. in their mind. And so they exactly. may ask you questions that are incredibly insulting and hurtful. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's people. Yeah, it's people coping. They're trying to they're trying to make sure, well, if I don't do that, it'll never happen to me or it'll never happen to my kid or whatever. Right. Um, you know, but that's. I don't think it needs to be said that just because you're inebriated doesn't mean you've given up your rights. Like that's not how the world works. And, and it it just, it seems like, I mean, it's, that's a pretty heavy prevalence on a college campus. So I'm assuming what you do is you take, you take boys at this very certain age when they are just overwhelmed with, you know, hormones and craziness and and this Mm -hmm. ability to be you know to be drinking for the first time or doing drugs for the first time or all this stuff and then you Mm -hmm. mix it with the fact that a certain percentage of the population are criminal assholes and and now like you know all the other boys find a way to handle it you know what i mean like everyone else knows how to hear no and stop themselves and this person's not even worried about that they right that that wasn't even their concern their concern was i'm gonna do this terrible thing and you know we don't i don't know the person you don't know the person if it was for what the reasons were but none of the reasons are obviously okay but Mm -hmm. but it's just the point of it made me feel like uh i made i was making the point to somebody this is years ago why do, why is this happening? This has to stop immediately. <laughs> Hold on a second. Oh, shit. I have to take this. This is going to be really weird. Hold on a second. I'll pause. Okay. Hello? It is. Lord, I'm going to say I'm sorry that I don't usually have to stop in the middle like that, but that was important. Oh, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, okay, so... So I think we've pretty much well established there are terrible people in the world and there are really yeah. lo- and there are really lovely people in the world. And um that for some reason when terrible things happen, we seem to turn to the lovely people and ask them how they got to that situation. Isn't uh, that funny? You know, that is so true. Really crazy. Like no one goes yeah. and finds the bad guy and goes, Hey, how come you're an ass? 
you, you, you know, like, why are you a, why are you a, a terrible criminal and, and have no like concern for other people? Like, what is wrong mm-hmm. with you? We just go to you and we go, should you have been drinking? Really? Right. Uh, you know. Yeah. You know, that's very true. Okay. I like that one. I'm going to use that that's when I terrible. talk to my students. It's really, it's ridiculous. And, but it's, yeah. how, but you know why it helps or why that, why it happens, excuse me, is because those people are busy hiding somewhere. Right. You're, you're, you're the one that's standing up and going, Hey, this is me. Let's talk about what's going on. They're the one who's mm-hmm. hiding and pretending that they're, that they're not, that they don't exist. Yeah, massive yeah. jerk off. So, right. like, yeah. So they're just trying to pretend they're not doing that. And, and I, I have to tell you that, if if I'm sure someone else has tried to absolve you already, but you can't be responsible for someone else's bad behavior. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? That's just, yeah. I, I see what you're saying, but I don't even know what you would do. Like, what would you do now? You know what I mean? Like, even if you got it into you right now as an adult, 20 years late, you know, or, or mm-hmm. six, how, what are we, six, seven years past it? Seven, yeah. yeah. Seven years. I mean, what are you going to do? Right, exactly. You know? And, and, you know, and also thinking of myself as at that age, like you're 20 years old. You don't know what you're doing. Mm. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know. I don't even know. I was half a person at that point. Do, right? you, do you ever <laughs> wonder if you approach that person right now and said uh, to them, you did this to me. Do you ever wonder if they would think that they did? I have wondered that. I can't imagine what the response would be to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like if yeah. you had a truth serum and they answered, would they just be like, yes, I did that. I'm a, a massive I wonder, no, I honestly, I, I think it would just deny till the grave. I, I really right. do think that. I don't, I, I mean, I don't know, right? Like I never yeah. confronted about it or anything. Do you um, know if, was he, was he altered too? Or? I couldn't tell you. I There's don't know. no way for you to know. Yeah. I, I find personally, I, men, I find hard to tell if they're drunk or not. I don't know why. I just really do personally. It might be because um, we're sort of asked to begin with. It's hard. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> could be um oh but then i could go into like how this affected diabetes no, if that's helpful yeah no that it's, that's exactly what the rest of this is about so go ahead. okay yeah. so we'll get off the horrible horrible train here right um it doesn't get much but no i'm kidding it gets better <laughs> can you imagine um, like it was pretty much a downfall after that scott from and, uh, there yeah, now yeah. But life still sucks it's no, slide, no life's good. Yeah. um but yeah so so from there yeah i mean i was you know, what's funny. It's like, it's like, you know, there's diabetes burnout. I was just burnt out of, of life. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know that's not funny, but like, but I really was like, it was just like, you know, coping with that was just crazy. And then trying to do diabetes, I would just, you know, I didn't have a CGM at that point. So at that point I'm on Omnipod and, you know, regular, uh, checking your blood sugar. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'd be like, Oh, I'm high. Okay. Take insulin. Oh, I'm low. Okay. Like just this very, very um cloudy yeah, yeah. cloudy like very distra- like like oh, okay going through the motions kind of thing um and i made adjustments and everything but it was just oh yeah diabetes is a thing that happened five so, times a day or so that ptsd was, right? that just yeah. hangs over you 24/7 then oh my god it was awful yeah that was so what happens i learned later um you're basically in that fight or flight mode all the time. Mm-hmm. Like all the time your your you know your nervous system is jacked up and so everything's scared like like the door would open I'd jump out of my skin like just it yeah. was you know um just like you're constantly like need to be running away from something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and so how that impacted my blood sugars was 
crazy, right? Like, you know, uh, you've talked about like adrenaline with, with basketball games. It was like constant though, like 24 hours a day. So I re- I do remember my insulin needs going up um, quite a bit afterward, like, at, like I would say, I don't know, months afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what would get me was I started having like actual panic attacks um, specifically surrounding surrounding sex um would have so that's great so that was really fun like oh let's have sex oh just kidding we're having a panic attack instead like that was real beautiful um but so that would drive up either it it depended on the day it would either drive my blood sugar up or crash um and so that was fantastic to (laughs) to work with um but basically so this went on for a couple of years um and then I finally, I don't know, three, four years later, my therapist uh, strongly recommended <laughs> that, that I try taking anxiety medication, mm-hmm. um, which I was like, which I finally agreed to and best decision I ever made. Like, yeah. honest to God, it was night and day. I was like, oh, this is how normal people feel. Um and my insulin needs went down. My I stopped having these like really funky like rises in my blood sugar. Um, yeah, so that really helped tremendously. Can I ask when you're trying to be intimate with another person and you have a panic attack in that situation, how yeah. much of that do you how much of the reason why do you tell them? Um, so I'm thinking. So the guy I was dating at the time. It was, uh, that, that relationship was interesting. So, I mean, I was finding this out as I was dating him. So that was just a very strange dynamic. Um, I did eventually tell him about it, but I hadn't remembered the whole thing. So I was confused about it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was tough. Uh, we eventually that that relationship was a dumpster fire. So, yeah, so say, we eventually broke up. This is not the bedrock that a solid relationship is uh, built on. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, the world is happier that we broke up. Like the world told me. Yeah. Um, you know. But uh. <laughs> but it's but, interesting. So though. now uh, the guy I'm dating now to yeah. answer your question. Um, I told him pretty early on. Um. And it went beautifully. Like it is, he's been absolutely fantastic about it. Um, it granted, it only happens like very few and far between nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I so I told him about it, and I said like, "Hey, this might happen, FYI." Um, so that was fun starting a relationship where I was like, "Oh, um, so you know, I I wear an insulin pump, and also I." might panic while we have sex like it's it's fine you might have <laughs> right? you might have to peel me off the ceiling at some point yeah, yeah right. i'm like it's a treat to date yeah. me like it'll be great it's a treat to date me have you ever seen a cat treat this is what um i'm gonna look like on the top of the bed just so you understand right yeah. that's pretty much what it's like not gonna lie yeah well I'm, very, I'm just imagining yeah. it must be a physical reaction you must recoil right oh yeah 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 absolutely and and it that's how it starts like with my my the guy i'm currently dating um it started that way. It was whoop, get out of here, like run out the door. Right. Um, and it slowly became like easier to just like not take off and just like kind of get through it and come back and right. that kind of thing. 
Yeah. Does it help you to talk about this in such a normal way? Because it occurs to me while we're talking, like I, I, I like the the thing that it like I thought to make a joke just now, and I stopped myself. Like was I was fine. like, I thought to myself, like you imagine, like you're just like hanging out, and then all of a sudden you're just bare ass running out of the room, like you know, like <laughs> on the way, you know, going the other way, and then I'm like, no, that's the wrong thing to say in this situation. No, and, you know, it's fine now. Like if you said that to me, like five years yeah, ago, no, I'd no. be like, ah, yeah. my uh, life's over, right? Uh, like, yeah. But no, like I mean, I've I've it's so at this point. It's so few and far between. There's like a few things that still get me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, no, it's fine. Do you I, think you'll I, get through those? I'm all those? about inappropriate jokes. Well, I just, <laughs> what, what, but the end of my thought was, is that no, at some point, someone needs to treat you like a normal person. In exactly. This, right. And not, yeah. and, and not tiptoe around you or you're never going to be able to get past. The, do you think there is getting past the rest of it? Oh, yeah. 100%. That's cool. Absolutely. Especially being in such, like, I'm in such a good, um, like, I'm just in a, in a good place right now my relationship's great i feel you know 100% supported with it and so yeah definitely i right. think the last little lingering bit um yeah i think it'll it'll go away at some point wow and are you still working with a therapist yeah yeah, yeah I, I tell her that um i i'm going to have to see her until either she dies or i die so Hopefully she's in it for the whole. We're not getting out of this. You and I, we're going out together. Exactly. No, I I think that's obviously a valuable idea. Um, And the guy, and I mean, how much of it just being a good guy also helps too. Although credit to the other one, somebody had to be first. And at least at least it wasn't somebody that you like head over heels loved, but you couldn't get through this part with like, at least it was a, disposable relationship to begin with and you got you know what i mean like you got something you really did you got to move forward from it so that's if you're yeah, looking for and a it positive taught me that uh you know this is not how relationships are supposed to go yeah but, but i mean listen <laughs> yeah, i'm saying go. at least you th- that was the kind of guy you got on that one while you were busy figuring out what happened to you imagine if you would have met this nice guy right now and not been able to like stick around to, yeah. to see how it went. You know what I mean? So. Right. Right. No, that's yeah. very true. Yeah. So he was valuable in that sense. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, well, so you had these incredible like spikes of like consistent blood sugar problems. The anxiety, mm-hmm. anxiety medication took that away for you, which is amazing. And I think yeah. anyone listening who has anxiety should be hearing that and paying attention because if you're, you know, like in the course of the conversations in the podcast, you talk about things like, you know, adrenaline from sports or activity mm-hmm. or something like that. Or have been people on have talked about like blood sugar spiking or dropping during sex and stuff like that. Like times when mm-hmm. your body, you know, goes into these different modes. But if you're in that mode 24 7, 365, yeah. like that's just terrible. You must just physically feel better now too, right? Oh my God. Yeah. I I feel like I can breathe. Like I just, that's the best way I could describe it. Like it was just like the world was just very terrifying to me. Like everything freaked me out. Right. Like it's, yeah, it's just night and day. And I feel like my, and I feel like myself again, cause I wasn't, I mean, I was always an anxious person, but not like that. Like that was a little, you know, you lost some some real time in your life. Right. Say that again. I'm you sorry. Lo- you lost time. Like there's just wasted time in these. Oh years, yeah. Right? Oh yeah. One hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Where you're just existing and staying alive and. Yep. Yeah, that sucks. Mm-hmm. It really does. I mean, I would imagine beyond the emotional stress, there's got to be actual physical tension too. 
Oh my God. Yeah. My, I, uh, finally like my shoulders are always like total knots. And in this past year, they finally chilled out. (laughs) It's like, Oh, they feel like actual shoulders again. (laughs) That's, uh, that's nice. I mean, it's nice because we, you know, we said at the beginning, you're in your late twenties, but you're not. No, no. mid late. You're right there. But, but I mean, trying to high side this. Yeah. You did get through the worst of it. It seems like in relatively short order. I mean, it's, Mm-hmm. doesn't feel like short order because it's your life and you lost yeah. years. But when you stand back uh, 75 years old and look at this, you'll think, oh, there were a couple of years in my 20s where this was a real problem, but I got through it and I, was, I, right. kept, I kept moving forward from there, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and it, you know, it it did some, I mean, I, certainly I would rather that not have happened, but, you know, it did it helped me realize I wanted to become a counselor. First off, just going through therapy. I was like, Oh, this is cool. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think it just gave me such greater empathy for other people. Like, you know, this, I was 20. Right. And, and this happens to kids and unfortunately, and we don't need to go down that path, but you know, it happens to like, you know, very traumatic things happen to lots of people. Um, so I think it just gave me, you know, such greater empathy for other people and, and, and not to mention like better understanding of like when you're going through something very um, traumatic, like what it's like to try to come out of it. Um, So, you know, it, it, it did give me a lot to work with. Um, It gave me a lot of like clarity on what I wanted to do. So some good definitely came out of it for sure. Well, I mean, that's, nice i feel weird mm-hmm. saying that anything good <laughs> no i know yeah. and that's when i said it too i was right. like i was like i don't want to say like yeah it was fun and yeah thank god this again. happened or i never would have had this perspective but yeah i you probably could have <laughs> no. just lived without the perspective uh, right right or, exactly or, i would have been fine or, living in a bubble right gained it slowly <laughs> over time the way everyone else gets it you know it's exactly uh, but but i mean I, what it made me think of when you were just talking is that you know everybody my age knows the kids start coming home from college, like you, your, your, your children, your children's friends, they come home. Just imagine that every time, you know, you ask 10 girls, how's school going? It's possible that 13% of them have like been through an assault. Yeah. Like that's insane. It's crazy. You know what I mean? It, More than yeah. one in 10 people can say, oh, that something like this has happened to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're sending your, you know, your daughters are heading off to college and um, it, this just can't be. I mean, we could go down right. the roads how and, you know, of course, people should, you know, people need to, like, evaluate their sons better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you all know your kids, like, quirky, like, and weird or, like, you know, by himself. Like, say something. Like, send them to therapy before something like this happens, you know, like. Don't just stick your head in the sand when you notice your kids are malcontent. Uh, like seriously, like I mean, yeah, I mean, I know you're not a parent; you're kind of younger, but yeah. I, everyone knows. I'm not saying you know uh, somebody's going to assault somebody, but you can tell when your kid's a little weird. Like, do something for them. Don't just let them go out into the world all twisted up like that, messed and, up, yeah, yeah. a mess. Do something because yeah. they're going to go meet somebody else. They're going to meet somebody's daughter and somebody's son, and you know and and have these monstrous ideas in their heads and mm-hmm. you know jesus christ like fuck do something don't just <laughs> look at him and go oh he just likes knives you know i don't know what that means 
Like, like you know, like just he just like yeah, figure <laughs> oh it out. God. You know, figure it out. I, <laughs> I, I, uh, no, jo- Joey doesn't need a thirteenth tarantula in his in his cage. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, when you see something that seems like a little off, go, oh, <laughs> let me find out here. What's going on yeah. here? Exactly. Jesus. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. No, maybe maybe it is all tarantulas. Who knows? I don't know what. I'm, not, I'm just saying when something seems wrong, like, say something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do something. Don't just yeah. stare and hope it gets better. People do that with their health. They do it with all kinds of things. They're like, oh, mm-hmm. I noticed that six months ago. Why didn't you do anything? Ah! I don't I don't understand like yeah yeah yeah. and I think you know it's just being in and 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 not a full counselor but like you know um like being a school like having a background in school counseling I think you know I think that's the important of of counseling like to begin with personally like I and I mean I know I'm super biased in that sense but you know it's so that when you're you're reaching those kids when they're kids, hopefully. Right. Like, so that you're not becoming this monster. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. So well, I, I think it goes, I think it goes both ways. If that makes sense. It does. And and yeah. also there are people who have thoughts that they haven't acted on yet. I mean, I don't know how difficult this is to say, but like yeah. ask for help, like tell right. somebody like I am having thoughts that I believe are not okay. You know, right. like, I need to talk to somebody about it. And right. You know, exactly. Just because you, you're not going to when when there's a problem like that inside, you're not going to keep it down forever. And, you you know, and if you're hearing this now and you're feeling that way, like you could stop yourself before you hurt somebody. You know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a big deal to try to take responsibility, even when things feel out of control. It sometimes it's the the first step to finding control. I don't oh, know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, no, no, you're right. Yeah. I don't absolutely. know what I know. It's Friday. You got me. You got me. I don't know what to do now. It's just, I, I know. mean, it was this And it's back. beautiful out, too. It's, it's, it I really is, it is nice by outside. You. Yeah, true. Okay. Well, I don't know. Sometimes, like, uh, cut off. Like, I don't know. It's like a different land. Do you ever notice rain sometimes can't cross a body of water? Yes. Right? Do you ever mm-hmm. see that? Like you drive over a bridge and it's raining on one side and not on the other side? And I love when that happens. So yeah, cool. very cool. Anyway. All right. So what are we not telling people that we should be telling them at this point? Like, so um, yeah. obviously stress and anxiety can come from a lot of different things, but directly from PTSD, mm-hmm. um, it, it can have a massive impact on your blood sugars. Um, you know, you, you endured something terrible that kind of put you into a fog for a long time. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming your blood sugars weren't all that uh important to you. Like you said, you just like give yourself some insulin and move along. Yeah. And, yeah. and that was it. Uh what do you do like what do you see as you're moving forward? Mm-hmm. Um, what are your short term goals, I guess, for yourself? In terms of diabetes or just in general? I think in, in terms of like getting you to a place where you're where this feels like a terrible thing that happened a long time ago and you're it doesn't consume you i would say it already does honestly um i think like there's that last little residual thing i got going on that i need to uh that i would like to continue to work on um but other than that i think my goal for a while has been and and i've been working towards is just like really being focused on maintaining um 
you know, uh, like doing things that are stress relieving. Cause that's what I learned over these years is that over, over this whole incident is that, um, stress exacerbates the hell out of PTSD and, and all, and anxiety and all these other things. So I just, you know, I just try to be really, really cognizant of that and, and really focus on whatever it is, like whether that's, um, like working out works great for me, cooking, anything like that. Um, that I always try to have, like, keep in mind as a goal. Um, and I think just being, what's the word I'm looking for? I think just being very aware of, of like where I'm at. So I don't end up in that like really foggy space, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Seeing the edge of the slippery slope and and doing something before you fall too far. Yeah. Cause it was just like for so long, I was just kind of like in survival mode and going through the motions. And so I think like, if I just being really aware of, if I start slipping in that direction, like, Whoa, what's going on, (laughs) you know? Um, Yeah. I think that's how, you know, how I continue to move forward. And I think, you know, I'm glad that I was able to talk about it here too. I I really do like the idea of kind of being more of an advocate in this space um, when it's, you know, when it's okay, when it's an okay space to do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't need to talk to crazy people on the internet or anything, but you know. I'm, I'm really, uh, kind of overwhelmed that you think this is a good place to do something like this. Thank I you. do. Yeah. No, I really, truly do. Like I, you know, I just think you've created such a, such a supportive environment. Um, through like, especially like I'm, I'm pretty active in the Facebook group. Um, and I think that it's few and far between that. I see anything that's not supportive. Um, and I don't know. I think, I think it's just an open-minded bunch that you, that you created here. That's very nice of you. Thank you. I'm mm-hmm. very proud of it. Uh, so Good. that's excellent. Uh, can I ask a question? Of course. How do you, what's the best way? What is the way? How do I want to ask my question? I'm assuming that being intimate now for you, you mm-hmm. need to be a little in control. Like I'm wondering, oh, yeah. I'm wondering about best practices for people who have been through what you're through or even for the guys that are with them. Like oh, uh, yeah. what's that dance like? Oh, that's a great question. Um, uh, hold on, I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, to it, yes, being in control, 100% important. I think it's a combination of like identifying what it is that triggers for you. Um, like, I'm trying to give an example. I know for me, like I still, if I have, I'm not a big drinker, but if I do have a drink or two, um, I have a really hard time having sex. So I know that going into it. Um, so that's something at this point I'm just avoiding. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think just really having really open communication with your partner and finding someone who's really willing to work on it with you. Cause it's, you know, it's a big hurdle. Um, but the person I'm dating right now, I don't, I don't feel like it in that space. Like I don't, I don't feel that way because he's so supportive. So it, is it not as specific as, hey, I'm going to put my hand on your leg now? Like, is the whole thing feel like it's like a talking book or like, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, hi, should we move closer to the pillow? Like, no, no. Like, it's not, it's not like that? <laughs> no, not now. I mean, honest to God, though, like when it first happened, like 
someone had their arm around me and I wanted to just combust. Like it was awful. Like, so, but now, no, not at all. But, but I mean, if there's something we wanted to do that was like new, um, I would need to just kind of wrap my head around it first a little bit. We would talk about it first. It's not something that would happen in the, in the moment kind of a thing. Exactly. And there's, there's certain things like, like, obviously like, I do not like having my arms pinned down. Like that's not a thing that's okay because I right. need to be able to deck him at any point. Okay. I, he knows that that's why. I'm like, in case I need to punch you, he's like, okay, got it. <laughs> let my arms free in case I have to punch you in the face. Yeah, yeah, just in case. Fair enough. Know. And so by the way, knows. if you're gonna punch him, don't punch him in the face. There's better places. Um, you know, yeah. you're right. I always was gonna go for the face, yeah. but now I know. Some I'll people, tell him that. Some people can take a shot to the head. So. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Uh, okay. So just, you know, a lot of communication, Yeah. let you lead the way, you know, identify things that are bad ideas and just avoid them. Pretty much. And like, yeah. you know, when you, I think it's important to work through the things that you're avoiding, but do it, be patient. That mm-hmm. is my other recommendation is be really, really patient. Don't, I mean, I, I'm not patient with myself. I would, I would say, and I would get all bent out of shape. I'm like, why isn't this working? I uh, should be over this. Right. Right. Um, you know, give it, it takes, it takes time, Yeah. but, uh, you know, you can get through it. I would imagine it takes as much time as it takes. Exactly. Yeah. And that you can't rush your way through it. Okay. Right. All right. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that we should have? I know you said you wrote some stuff down. Oh my God. I think we hit everything. No, (laughs) I can't imagine anything else. Um, I'm looking real quick. I feel so accomplished when people say that, by the way, because I have no, oh, good. I have no plan. So I'm just like, wow, did I actually get through the salient details of this? Um, oh, yeah. No, I think I think we hit. I'm just looking real quick. Yeah, no, I think we hit everything. I think I think also like. I do have have one thing. It's kind of I think with the salt piece, it's it's also tied you know, you know how, and I've heard people say on the podcast, when you get diagnosed with diabetes, it's like everyone kind of treats you like it's that club they won't, don't want to be in. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, right. And so I think, like, uh, I think with the assault, it, it's the same kind of thing. Um, but that's why, and I, I'm sorry to sound like a broken record. I keep bringing this up, but I, that's why I think it's important to bring up, you know, so that it's not that oh, don't know what to do or say about that. That's ugly, right? <laughs> like, yeah. So that it becomes something that's easier to to discuss. Um, but other than that, no, I, I think we hit everything. Okay, I think you need to avoid, you know, this is going to sound disjointed, but yeah, I think yeah. it's like when you meet somebody and you know somebody, not the first time you meet them, but you know somebody who has like a, a serious health condition, like, like say somebody has cancer. Like you can't yeah. just be around someone who has cancer and never it comes up. Because then it just seems completely obvious that you're ignoring it. And that is as uncomfortable as talking about it sometimes. And so uh, is that what you're saying? Like you can't just like treat you like this never happened if you're a close friend or a confidant or something like that. Like it has to be if it's appropriate conversation that keeping it quiet is is just as bad as if it were to come up. Is that the idea? Yeah, exactly. And and at the same time. And this is a lot to ask of people, right? But at the same time, balancing the fact that that one bad thing isn't your full identity. It's not who you are. Right? Like like yeah. someone who has can- cancer, like that's not everything about them. They're still a person, right? right like right. I, I think, you know, just having finding that balance. And I think 
you know, in my last relationship, when I told him about it, that was very important to me. I was like, I don't want this to be everything you think of about me. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I, so I think it's, it's just important to have that balance too. I can't, it's no different than, um, you just, people struggle with, um, seeing their children as diabetes sometimes. Exactly. Right. They just look at them and yeah. they're like, how's your blood sugar? Are you okay? Are you dizzy? And the, you're missing the person. You're seeing the diabetes. Yeah. You don't want, you don't want who you are to be um, not, it should be center stage who you are. That, that's, right. There's, right. yeah, there's so much more to you than, than just, than diabetes yeah. and whatever else you got going on. Cause most people have got other stuff going on too. Right. I got mm-hmm. it. I think I understand. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, uh, done a really wonderful thing here and oh well thanks i i can't thank you enough i mean just that it was your idea you know it's funny somebody to go down a slightly different road um i was explaining something to somebody today and they said where do you get your guests from and i was like oh i don't get my guests they they come to me and and (laughs) and she's like what i'm like well there's like every once in a while like i said you know i'm I'm doing an eating series and I needed somebody who ate ate in a very specific way and I had to go out in the world and look for them. I was like, but everybody you hear on the podcast wanted to be on the podcast. Like they 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 came to me. And um and so like stories like yours or you know, you and I were talking about it before it started, the girl that came on and talked about opioid addiction. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know what a big deal that is because she was the fourth person who approached me about talking about opioid addiction. And the first mm-hmm. three for a number of different reasons couldn't get to recording and mm-hmm. she, and she did. Mm-hmm. And you know, so topics like this are difficult, you know, it's obviously they're incredibly hard to talk about. Mm-hmm. They're difficult to listen to sometimes. Uh, but they're important and it takes people who are brave like you to step up and talk about them. And it's just a really big deal to me that you chose to do it with me. And I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, no. And I, and I, like I said, I, I think you've made such a supportive space to even do it. So I felt comfortable reaching out to, even though I feel like I know you cause I listen to you all the time, but just basically talking to a stranger right, about this horrible thing. Right. <laughs> But here we are. <laughs> yeah, it, it really does feel like that. It feels like, what if I just picked up the phone, dialed random numbers, got the, somebody on the phone and started telling me about like my medical issue? But like, hey, right, exactly. It's, it's me. I'm, I need- like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to talk to this guy. I feel like I know because I listened to him. But basically this random guy on Zoom. Yeah, <laughs> literally a random person. And they're going to record it and then let a lot of people listen to it. So right. what a great decision I've made here. Uh, but no, I mean, it's the knowledge you're going to help somebody. It's funny when I made the joke about calling somebody with a health problem. I mm-hmm. thought to make up a health problem. And then I thought no matter which one I make up, people listening are going to think I really have it. So I just oh, true. so I didn't make a joke. I was like, well, if I joke about that, people are like, oh, he has that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so true, I, was, true. I was like, oh, I can't do it. Uh, but no, I mean, it just it, it's a weird. T- I mean, the medium's amazing. Like, like mm-hmm. seriously, think about what you just talked about. Mm-hmm. Fifteen years ago, you would have had to have been on sixty minutes to tell this story. Yeah, seriously, the world did not work like this. Before, right. before you could make a podcast. Uh, and and so people didn't hear these things and they didn't hear them with any frequency. Like, right. I think it's, like, it's you know, the first time there's an After Dark episode, which, by the way, I even hate calling them those. I hate calling them After Dark because I don't think that they should be in the dark. I just think that that's mm. how people see them. So, you I know. Think, yeah, I, I think it's good. Just like you're saying, God forbid a kid 
is listening to it. Yeah, I don't want somebody to hear the wrong thing. And so I have to kind of brand it so that people understand. And some people are much easily, uh, much more easily triggered than others. So they should have an opportunity to know what it is they're getting into, right? Like Mm -hmm. your your episode's not going to have a fun title where they get, you know. I know, which is so unfortunate, but I understand (laughs) completely. That would be really awful if they were like, oh, this is about, I don't know, plants. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to like get halfway in and go, oh. Gosh, I didn't I didn't mean to be here. And, yeah, I, exactly. and I didn't even realize that until someone someone said to me very recently about one of the after darks that I think is terrific. I think it's one of them about drugs. She's like, yeah, I can't listen to that. Oh, really? And I was okay. like, oh, well, I'm glad that it was clearly marked because I didn't reckon I didn't think anybody would because like, I don't have an issue with it. I just imagine nobody would. But but my point is, is that stories yeah. like this, you know, didn't get told with frequency. And you might not be the last one. Like someone else, I have to tell you, the first time I interviewed somebody who had bipolar disorder, I thought, well, that'll never happen again, except I'm editing another show now with a person who has bipolar disorder because they heard the first person and they were like, hey, my story is a little different. Let me tell you mine. And I was like, that's amazing. So you might not be the last person I talked to about something like this. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that's how it. I think that's how we get to the things you talked about, like treat people normally, know what to do, know what to look for. Because, mm-hmm. you mean you you gave a lot of good tips here today about how to how to sniff out a creepy person. Um, yeah. You know, and, gotta know that. You know, <laughs> you know what? Because when you're a decent person, you just think other people are decent. I know, isn't that? You know? Yeah, that's so the truth. You that just really do. is. I just yeah. don't imagine anybody's screwing with me because I'm not screwing with anybody. And that's, yeah. And that's how I am now. Like, I'm just, mm, this person's probably screwing with me, but, but also like, I, I'm such a, I, I'm such a uh, sucker for balance, but also balancing that with like, not everyone's out to get you, but they might be, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like kind of going for it did this in that ca- direction. Did this cause any strange, um, uh, correction of like how you like did you do do anything oddly differently than you did before like is your pace is your purse like full of mace and guns and things like that like do you have brass knuckles with you like or uh, have you not gone that direction you know i do i run and i do bring pepper spray with me mm-hmm. um that is the only thing i can think of it yeah it i would say yeah like i do like if i'm getting in an elevator it's just me and one other person i'm like just one other person right like it's that kind of stuff but i wouldn't say it like completely changed me as a person but it it did make me a lot more aware does it make you more aware of your size yes it did okay It, it definitely did um yeah i didn't realize how small i was until uh and i'm not you know i'm short i'm not like a little skinny toothpick or anything by any means um but i was like oh all right yeah, that's there's, good there's just a disparity between generally speaking between men and women's like strength and size and and like, yes. the way it it occurred to me is like arden's five seven she's mm-hmm. one of the tallest girls like in her high school as an example wow. but she oh, okay. but but you know like she'll tell me at home because she's the shortest person in the house she feels small Oh, isn't that funny? And, and I actually good. was at the, sorry, I was no. I was at the gym the other day and I'm like doing like lifting weights in a mirror 
And I'm like, I am so freaking short. I'm like looking at the other people. There's like, there's like these women who are about five, seven. And I'm like, oh my God, I look like a literal midget in comparison. I had no way. Like, I don't know. I right. didn't realize how short I no, am. I mean, it's just that like, we joke around like my wife's five, nine and she's, yeah. she's okay. and she's strong and she'll like every once in a while, she's like, I could take you. And I, one time I said to her, I was like, listen, this is not an adversarial thing. I was like, but speaking seriously, if you and I got into some sort of a death feud, I'd knock your head off. You know that, right? And she was like, no. And I'm like, no, you, it's not the same thing. Like, I, I, I know that's weird. Like, I'm not an overpoweringly, menacingly large man, but I could, I could easily overpower my wife. Oh, yeah. And, this is the ongoing you know, fight between me and my boyfriend because I keep telling him I could take him. But I know for real I couldn't. Yeah, no. Which it's is just, so unfortunate. But but that's a thing that some women have to actually live with. Like the knowledge that there are other people in the world that can overpower me if they want to. And yeah. like, And you'd have yeah. to be a lot bigger than me to overpower me if you were a guy. Like I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but I'd stand mm-hmm. a fighting chance. You know what I right. mean? And and that's just – I was wondering if, the, if that has become kind of – um, you know, front and center in your mind now that that this has happened. I just wasn't. Yeah, definitely more than it ever was for sure. Yeah, because you don't, yeah. don't like, like I said before, until you, there's a point in your life where you don't imagine anything bad's ever going to happen to you. I know, isn't that funny? You know, yeah. and at that moment, you're just like, I'm me. And you're just rolling around, you know, five, three, 110 pounds. Like, <laughs> I, I can I can conquer everybody. Like, meanwhile, most people could backhand you and knock you over. Exactly. And, and, and you just don't, you don't think of it that way. I'm glad you're envisioning me as 110 pounds. That's great. Keep keep thinking that. <laughs> That's not the case at all. <laughs> no, I was just going for a weight that I felt like I could easily backhand, actually, when I said no, it. That, yeah. oh, oh, got it. No, we can pretend it's me. That's yeah. me. Now, there's a comedian that has that joke, like, you know, like, you know, I could overpower everyone in my house at the same time, you, you know, like, and, and no one thinks mm-hmm. that way about it. And I just don't, I wonder if men listening can understand because they don't have this feeling. It's kind of why I'm talking about this. Yeah, yeah. That the women in your life, some of them more than others, are are painfully aware that in a physical situation they'd likely be overwhelmed. And and how and how frightening that must be to have to live that way. I guess oh, yeah. that's my point. You know, and guys, generally speaking, don't have to live that way. Mm-hmm. Um, although I know some guys that, you know, I mean, honestly, you could kick their ass easily. <laughs> <laughs> They wouldn't stand any chance. I'm thinking maybe I should fight them. I'm literally thinking of three people right now that I think could be beaten by a small child. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I, this has gotten off the rails. I, and if there are going to be some people like you can't joke around at the end of a of an episode about stuff like this, but I don't know no, what else to do. I'm you, trying to get the tension out of my chest. <laughs> no, you can you can joke around for sure. It's fine. I like sweated out at least twenty pounds right now like, during this conversation. So I made you good. I made you close your window too, so it's even worse. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you very much. Hold on one second, okay? Okay. I'd like to thank the person who did this episode very much and thank all of you for listening to her story. Again, if you need help, rain.org, R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G or 1-800-656-4673. 1-800-656-HOPE. You can get help 24-7. I learned a lot in this conversation, but the process of this conversation and the one that came prior taught me something very important. 
The person you just heard who told this incredibly courageous story, I heard I had already recorded it an hour or more with them just four weeks prior, and I would have had no way of knowing that any of this had ever happened to them. That just kind of kept rattling in my head as she and I were talking, that I felt like I had a complete conversation with her, that she told me about her life, and that this had happened to her, and that there was no sign of it in our previous conversation. Well, that was concerning, honestly. So let me go back again for a second and explain that feeling. The National Sexual Violence Resource Center, which is another place you can go for help, NSVRC, it's nsvrc.org, has statistics here. This is from a 2010 summary report. Nearly one in five women, 18.3% of women, and one in 71 men, 1.4% of men in the United States, have been raped at some time in their lives. This includes completed forced penetration, attempted forced penetration, or alcohol or drug facilitated completed penetration. More than half of the female victims of rape reported being raped by an intimate partner and 40.8% by an acquaintance. For male victims, more than half, 52.4%, reported being raped by an acquaintance and 15.1% by a stranger. These statistics go on and on, and they just rang over and over again in my heart as we were talking today. That this person that I spoke to who had this great, happy conversation with me about type 1 diabetes in their life could have gone through this, and most people will never know. And that made me think about the 18.3% of the women I know and the 1.4% of men. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Juice Box Podcast. There'll be uh, more episodes coming this week, a little lighter uh, and less serious. Uh, but I, again, I really think these conversations are incredibly important and valuable, and I appreciate that you listened. And to the person who told me their story today, I am so sorry that I cannot thank you by name, but it means a lot to me that you felt safe doing it here.